I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to the Des Bishop podcast. It's great to be back. Greetings from a very lovely morning here in Queens, New York. It is only four hours time difference this week. Your clocks went back. The New York clocks haven't, which is handy for me because I am eating into the jet lag. I returned to Ireland in six days, so one-fifth of that jet lag will not be an issue when I get back next Monday morning, flying out next Sunday night. Uh, so, which is exciting for me because I look forward to seeing everybody and I look forward to getting some Irish people back on the podcast. But in the meantime... I have a very interesting international guest, Mo Ammer, who I don't think a lot of you will have heard of. He used to be part of a kind of comedy group called Allah Made Me Funny. When I say comedy group, I mean a group of comedians traveling together as opposed to a sketch group. Uh, They toured the world with a show called Allah Made Me Funny. Uh, Mo himself is raised in Kuwait, but he's Palestinian. Uh, so already really a sort of a, a displaced person in Kuwait. His family uh, lived in Kuwait. And then uh, when Saddam Hussein attacked Kuwait, he had to leave. His family had to flee. Uh, he tells the story in, in detail on the podcast. But anyway, he came to Houston, Texas, where he has lived since and where he got into comedy and is now a very successful comedian. Super interesting guy. I've gotten to know him really only over the last couple of weeks gigging in the comedy cellar and he is just like a a consistent killer uh no uh pun intended there on the all arabic joke thing he kills on stage every single time i've seen him i mean i've never seen as consistent a stormer as mo Ammer. uh super lovely guy and obviously, when I heard his backstory, I was dying to chat to him. Now, this chat is not super long. It's uh, maybe like 45 minutes because we literally did this in the car in between shows. So uh, I apologize for that. I promise you I will have Mo back on to talk about things in more detail. Uh, but I still think what we have is super interesting. So please enjoy the very interesting life. Of Mo Ammer. Hey, what's going on? I don't have like a... No, it's all good. Just jump in. I I, I, I don't have like an intro. Hi, I'm with Troy McClure. Hi. So, Mo Mo Amir, right? Ammer. Ammer. Yeah, it's the bane of my existence. Everyone says Amir, right? Uh, Well, people have said Amber. Mo Amber? What kind of Arab parents would name their son Muhammad Amber? Yeah, unless they thought he was going to have a sex change and get into (laughs) porn or something. I had a show in Fort Knox military base and they give you cat they give you like a whole cabin on the property. Yeah. I show up, they have a welcome envelope. It says welcome Mr. Amber. And I guess the Mo That's our military guys. US yeah. fucking military. that's where all our reserves are being held in Fort Knox. And they can't figure out uh, Amer. Amer. 
Ammer. Yeah, it's like Ammer. Hammer without the H. Oh, yeah, cool. And there, there's no anglicization on that, right? That's actually the name. It's Am- well, it's Amr, but there's no A. There's no Ain, and there's a Ain, which is a letter in the Arabic alphabet. There's no Ain, and so it's like a- the- Am- Amir. Yeah, what what should what should have happened really is they should have put double A. Yeah. In front of my name, they put it Amr, so people start saying Amr. Ah. So that yeah. helps, but that didn't happen. And when I became a citizen, they said, "Do you want to change your name? This is the time to do it." Because you could, it'll be fast, you know, it'll be super easy and, and we'll make it happen. Um, and I kind of regret it. Not you became a citizen in 2009, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Come on, I did a bit of research. Yeah, bro. you did. You, did. <laughs> I was like, you were like surprised. like, what the fuck is going on right now? I was no, like, I'm already skeptical of white people. This concerns me that you <laughs> so, know this. So, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Armir, uh, you became a citizen in 2009. Uh, we've noticed right. some activities lately. Well, you know, all joking. You and my wife. No. Yeah, all, all joking aside. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with Nazim Hussein, but he's. Yeah, he, he's from Australia. Yeah, okay. He so. started stand up because of Allah Made Me Funny. That's our comedy tour that we did when we stopped there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah. Nazim is a good buddy of mine, but he's yeah. been on the podcast. Cool. But he was taken. He was pulled in by the Australian Secret Service. And you know, just just to say, sorry. Every now and then we'll yeah. get we'll get a we'll get distracted by people looking for spots because we're yeah. parked outside the comedy cellar yeah. in like a sickly good spot on a yeah, Friday night. It is a really really good spot actually. Yeah. But no, <laughs> no, amazing. Like uh, yeah, he got pulled in, and they they were just you know checking on him, and yeah. they gave him like the big. And they, he's heard them on the on his phone and everything. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we were joking there, but actually... I mean, so much stuff has happened. I don't even know what to pick from. You oh, know? right. Like, you tell me, like, oh, he's a good big... So like, what, you want a fucking cookie? Like, you, I got so many freaking horrible shit that has happened to my family and so many things that are just really... Um, really just disappointing that have happened and and things that you just can't shake you know you always have like some layer of paranoia sure will always be in you and uh, never goes away yeah so let's backtrack a little bit because you know when i first met you yeah i i was taken aback i mean your story is fucking super interesting you're not the normal (laughs) you know everyday comic i moved from new york from the midwest right right my parents didn't care of me. No. Yeah, you so say you're from Kuwait. Yeah. So I'm I was born in Kuwait, um, to Palestinian parents. Yeah. Um, so I'm not Kuwaiti. People think I'm you know, they wanna say, Oh, you're you know, people think just because you're born there because of how America's law is written or a lot of Western um Yeah, I know because I was born in England. I spend most of my time denying that I'm English. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. Well you can't be English, right? Unless you can only what are you, by the way? I'm American. American. But right? I'm also Irish. Yeah, you're Irish. I, I, Irish I can have dual. Yeah, congratulations on that. <laughs> Throw that in my face. I have so many passports sorry, coming out man. of my pockets. It's exhausting. Listen, man, I'm like a, I'm like a really white, unoffensive guy. There's no, just, it's great, there's no secret service agency in the world that's it's concerned phenomenal. about me. It's phenomenal. No, man, so I was born in Kuwait. Uh, it was like, you know, it was really beautiful years. Um, for nine years I was there. And then the Gulf War erupted. Yeah. And we left. Um we had to leave. I mean, there was very minimal options. My brother was was getting his PhD in Houston, so we ended up. Oh, going he was already in Houston. Yeah, he was, he was studying there. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then, so would would you class as refugees? Was it like a refugee yeah, yeah. application? Yeah, of course. So you you we came over as asylees. So we we showed up. My sister and I they got the paperwork. My sister and I were sent over first, 
um, went on a school bus through Iraq. Like, it was just a really, really crazy story. I mean, we went through there. My mom got us through. My mom went back. We spent, like, 10 days in Amman, Jordan, getting our paperwork together. And then my mom sent my sister and I um, to Paris from Paris to Houston. And then we showed up, and, you know, it was extremely difficult, obviously, transition. And I arrived, like, two days before uh, Halloween, something like that, and I... <laughs> It was such a shock to me, right? There was no internet. There was no like you can't keep up with anything. Zero. Yeah, and that's like not a that's not a that's a that's a real American, a very I mean, American thing. Like you just come here and show up two days later. Everybody's dressed like Satan, and it's like <laughs> all women are dressed like whores. I'm like, what is going on? I've never seen even cleavage, much less you know <laughs> yeah. that. I mean, I remember tights. And- I mean, oh, it was it was crazy to me. And then I remember, uh, I remember when I first got here, like kids were trying to drag me into the bathroom to summon Bloody Mary in the mirror. I'm like, what the fuck is kind of crazy how sick is america like this is insane why what what is going on um and then i i mean like i went to a private british english school in kuwait like you, you know my father so was your english doing was really good, well right? my english was really really good but you had and like a british accent i had a hint of a british accent yeah it was like a little bit you know yeah that like uh, international just school accent fang, yeah international <laughs> school yeah exactly exactly so i i mean i remember that school there was a kid that came in from uh canada and uh, he's originally Iraqi, but was born in in uh, in Canada, and he he was the new kid, and he said fuck on the playground, and I remember all the kids were like, oh, like it became <laughs> a huge thing, and a teacher heard him, and they remember him being taken away, and we never saw him again. Really, like, we never like saw school that for saying fuck. I have no idea what happened to him, but I just never saw him on the playground and never saw him in classes. <laughs> I think he got kicked out of the school, man, for saying fuck, because it was like third or fourth grade or something. And it's I guess the school was super strict. We just never heard those words. We never saw like you know, I'm telling you, like I never saw cleavage, much less ass cheeks hanging out. Like it was not like that, man. It was very innocent. Very yeah, that's chill, a major really East beautiful. meets West moment. Major. I mean, like, the friends that I was making in this really shitty apartment complex we stayed in, unfortunately. I mean, so imagine you guys going were kind from, of wealthy, right? We were, like, and then Kuwaiti we lost everything. Yeah, well, Kuwaiti life is different. Again, we have to dis- we have to make this distinction because people think, like, oh, you're born in Kuwait, you must have a lot of money. No, 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 I'm not Kuwaiti. There's only so many thousands of actual Kuwaitis that belong to the Kuwaiti yes. tribe itself. We are Palestinians, so we became ref- refugees again, essentially. It was, like, my mom and dad's, like, third time. You know, to be exiled from somewhere yeah. else, like had to move, and my dad lost everything. He lost like I don't know millions of dollars overnight, gone because of Saddam. Yeah, because of Saddam, where the bank shut down, everything. I mean, he lost everything essentially, uh, aside from like some money that was left, and I don't know all those details. So young, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. But I know there was some to be able to get us out and things like that, and. My mom's, you know, exit strategy money just in case my dad fucked up or something. Like she had her savings. Yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. There was all that that was there, man. And, and um, yeah, man, we ended up in Houston and it was just a huge shock. Bro. I remember like making these friends and they were like taking out Playboy magazines. Like, look what I found my dad's thing. And I was like, oh my God, what is that? You know, was, freak, how old are you? It freaked me out. It was 10. How old am I now? No, you were 10 then, right? I was, yeah, I was 10 at that point. Wow. I was like, yeah, it was. So just like your first everything. It was crazy, man. I was like, what is your dad doing with this? You know, And I couldn't take my eyes off. I was 10 years old, loved women, obviously. And, uh, and then just like staring. I was like, those are amazing. You know, like, what is that? I just started learning everything. I learned all the horrible shit in America. Yeah. <laughs> were, you, were, you, were your family like, tr- like very, mo- very religious? 
Um, what does that mean, right? Well, like so what I mean like is illustrate like, it. Okay, well, no, I, okay, I'll, I'll just use like a Catholic example. Like when I first moved to Ireland in 1990, because I had that, I, I had a similar thing to you yeah. in a way. I went to boarding sure. school in Ireland, so oh, cool. you know, Ireland was just more Catholic, more strict around sexual stuff, and definitely less sure, open. Sure, sure, sure. So I was just, I was just wondering, like, did you guys have a kind of a more traditional sort of? Yeah, we definitely come from traditional background. Um, you know, my mom. Still to this day, prays five times a day, mashallah. Like she, she's killing the spirituality game. Uh, my aunts are very, very spiritual. My uncle is like, yeah, it's very. We put it this way. I'd like to frame it as we are believing people. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. We are people who believe the strictness and like how it dresses. Nobody like covered up completely in a niqab or something like that. It doesn't really exist in my family. And all that is like a personal choice. There's no like yeah, no, no. I meant it more. I meant views. it more. I meant it more from the point of view of yeah. like ten years old. This would have been yeah, it's three to four oh, it times been, the shock. Oh, it was. It would have been a hundred times the shock actually if I walked in and I showed my brother and my sister what I had just seen. They would have freaked out one hundred percent. Freaked out. My brother probably not so much. My sister one hundred percent. I mean, my sister still freaks out. About anything. Oh, she's still quite. She has sort of no like gangster skills whatsoever. <laughs> no, she just can't keep herself contained. How old was she when she came? She was nineteen, I think. Oh, she, she was, was nineteen, 19 yeah. when you guys left. Oh, so you're the youngest. I was the youngest. Yeah, I'm still am you. Ah, you're still the youngest. Still the youngest. <laughs> I, I, I just you know assumed like we didn't have any. My mom didn't have any more babies or anything. But in the end, the whole family was there, right? Yeah, the end. Uh, majority of the family, man, have sister spread out. We're all spread out, man. That's the thing about Palestinians, bro. It's very unfortunate, but we're spread out all over the world. I mean, sure. There's so many of us in so many different parts that had to adjust and do that, and you know, it's been very, very tough. I mean, definitely leaving Kuwait uh, at that moment in time and the way things have unfolded has affected our family lives dramatically. Things will never be the same. Yeah. I mean, we lived on a street where. My uncle was down the street. My aunts around the corner. Everybody hung out. Every Friday we would chill. Like uh, my other aunts would come in from the West Bank, come in every once in a while, hang out. You know, whoever. You know, because at some point they got jobs somewhere else. Their kids grow up. They got to yeah. live with their kids or whatever. Oh, so you still had family in, in Palestine? Yeah, I still do. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we have yeah. deep roots there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to jump forward, but I just it's it's on my mind now because you're sure. talking about well, it. Here we go. Well, no, because. People don't seem to factor in the the hurt, the dislocation, the separation of somebody in a situation where they need to apply for yeah, refugee status. Yeah, it's very frustrating. Yeah, it's so very that must be driving you crazy at the moment. Of course, where man. Here, it drives me sick, man. It's like you're all displaced peoples. You're all. This whole country was built on that and is defined upon that. This whole statue, fucking statue of liberty that was given to you. I mean, read what it says, interpret what it says in French. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Like, what happened along the way where you're so heartless and thoughtless about the situation? And America has such vast lands. There's so many unoccupied lands. There's so much space here. We can certainly do so. And I think we would be a lot more open potentially to the idea if um if we were number one more educated i mean even the iphone people don't know that steve jobs is syrian like half syrian his father yeah. is Sy his father's a syrian refugee like not well not a refugee but asylee he's, i don't know his exact situation or what his dad was but he's 100 percent syrian guy's an arab dude debeki who created the first bypass surgery and heart surgery and revolutionized the surgical game is an arab guy yeah, algebra. I mean, they went to Europe and taught Europeans how to wash their ass. People were just like, what are you talking yeah. about? We're a very sophisticated, 
uh, culture, and it's very, very sad what's happened in the Middle East, and it's very sad how um, the educational system has gone down so much, and people have no fucking clue how bad it was. Like, when I came to the States, when I was in fourth grade in, in Kuwait, for instance, going to that British English school, I was already getting prepped for pre-algebra. I was learning multiple languages at the same time. I would go to my English class, and then I would go to my Quranic studies and Arabic studies class. Yeah. I would go there and do that. I think we hold kids small, like, oh, we should baby them and shit. No, no, no. They, no, that's it's the, the time, time to learn languages. It's the time to learn languages. It's time to get a, to retain as much information as possible. My teacher has this really dope line, Des, you're going to love this. He said, memory in young age and early age is like etching in stone. Memory in old age is like painting on water. No, isn't yeah. that great, man? It's so true, man. You just totally give it. And I come to the States, they put me in ESL class. I mean, I'm, sitting there, I'm speaking what? better English than most kids in there for sure. Oh, not. that's right. You were in it like a... As English is a second yeah. lear- language class. I would go to math. They're still at like, you know, five apples plus seven apples is yeah. 12 apples. You know, like <laughs> what the hell? This is so boring. I immediately checked out. And plus not having my mother here for nine months and my father not coming for another year and a half. Like it was very, very difficult adjustment. Yeah, that's a... Yeah, massive transition. It, it was it was a hundred percent really really um, affected me dramatically. You know, so so it just I just kind of I was like, this is so easy. All you have to do is just like remember and regurgitate. Okay, yeah, this is so easy. I can do this. So I didn't really give a shit. I, I you know, I was. But did you get in trouble then, or you? you were oh, I was getting in trouble. Yeah, I was get. I really started getting in trouble in middle school, but I wasn't really getting that. I was being picked on because I was still trying to get what was cool and what was not cool. You know. We didn't have, because, again, we didn't have, like, oh, I can't believe you're wearing those shoes. Ha, 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 you know? Yeah. We didn't have that. Oh, we don't have that it, culture it, at all. Before you left, yeah. Yeah, before I left, there was no culture. First of all, in school, it was uniform, so everybody wore the same damn thing. Yeah. So that kind of helped neutralize that. But also, like, in school, like, yeah, people loved Adidas. Like, Adidas was the shit and still is the shit. Like, people love it, and you wore it, and if you can get Adidas, it's fine. But if you're wearing some shoe, like, you know, they're not going to make fun of you for it being off-brand. I didn't know that. You know, I'm not. Sp- oh, am I yeah, supposed yeah. to know that Payless is a really shitty store, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and my parents were being cheap, or my sister, or whoever was buying them for, was being cheap? I didn't know that. I was just like, oh, cool, these are black and purple. Those look kind of cool. I'll buy those, right? And then I remember we're laying down doing like workshop work in fifth grade, and I'm I'm laying, you know, on my stomach on the ground drawing, and I have my feet up, and it said Pro Wings clearly at the top of it, and this kid goes crazy, he goes, oh my God, Mo is wearing Pro Wings, like what, it became what, pro, the most pro, embar- pro Wings. Oh, Pro Wings. Yeah. People were calling. Man, I became like the laughing stock. I came home, I was like, I can't wear these guys. You don't know what I'm dealing with. And my family's like, stop being stupid, stop being silly. You need to go back and wear these shoes and da da da. I was like, you don't know the trauma that I felt in class today. Everybody was laughing. Apparently, these are some really bad shoes that make me, you know, And they've way been displaced three times. They're not really Yeah, I'm it. like, come on. They don't give a damn. Like, you got shoes, you asshole. We could be still in the desert, shoeless and countryless. I dealt with it, you know, and I would get beat up and i just get, like, left fielded. No, nothing like that ever happened in our school. So nothing yeah. ever happened like that. There was, it was just a different system and a different level of sophistication and, and things that were happening it was really i was really saddened by it i mean that that was you like the second though? like when, in those years were you like angry resentful i was angry because we were displaced for sure and i was angry because i missed my mom and she came you know i was a nine-year-old kid and sure, my, my sure. dad and my dad was sick and my dad got sick and 
and uh, just kind of had a sudden heart attack and, and passed away when I was 14. Like, it was a very excruciatingly painful. That's a tough adolescence. It's a really, really tough man. I started working when I was 11 at my dad's 99 cent store. Um, and then he died in that So he actually had a heart attack in But your dad store. was a biochemist, right? No, my dad was a, was a telecommunications engineer Oh, that's it, yeah, sorry, yeah Yeah, my father was you, a tele God rest his soul he was, he was a telecommunications engineer Was like instrumental in, in, uh, in honing in the technology For wireless communication between oil, oil rigs He worked for Kuwaiti Oil Company Right and um, he was part of the team that brought the first um, radio station to Kuwait as well, which was really cool in the 70s. I mean, my mom tells me stories like he had the first cell phone. Like he would always have, he was infatuated in love with phones. And we had a garage full of phones. Like he would, you know, invent phones and constantly working on different technology. I remember being with my dad, like fixing stuff and working with him as a little kid, just kind of like, you know, pretending, you know, and yeah. he would t try to teach me how to sod stuff, how to put together, how to put the lines together. Yeah. It's really, really fascinating. And um, that's what he did. So they're coming to the States and he opened up a 99 cent store. I mean, it was really weird for my dad to go from that job to this job. I was just making sure. Yeah, like, <laughs> were you making sure we're recording? Just you talk about interesting <laughs> shit. I was like, Jesus Christ, man, this motherfucker better be. <laughs> so yeah, man. So that's, yeah, but so I mean, then, it was tough. so then he and but but in America he he just had a ninety nine cent store or he got yeah, a, he had a ninety nine cent store. My dad was so legit. Place. He was doing well. Yeah, but I mean, like you're in Houston, right? Yeah, we're in Houston. You came as a Siles and all that. I mean, like, what are you gonna do? Yeah. So my dad opened up a business. So That's what he knows. Um, he knows business, and so he you just guys were comfortable him. in Texas. I mean, yes, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's my home now. I mean, Houston is. Uh, no, but what I mean is, you guys raised weren't poor me. or anything. You guys did okay. Yeah, I mean, we're okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we weren't. We weren't like you know. We had a couple of rough moves. You know, we didn't really know what the neighborhood was like, and we kind of uh, had to go there and be there. Oh yeah, there. sure. There was a couple of apartment complexes that probably shouldn't have ever been there. Mm. Um, friends with. I mean, like one, one year, one Halloween. They were just like throwing rocks at cars. I'm like, well, this is the worst Halloween ever, guys. I we don't, used to throw eggs. Can we just get? It's much better. <laughs> much better idea. This guy, I remember, he grabbed a fucking rock as big as my adult palm, and he throws it at the station wagon in horror. I'm like, what are you doing? Not was definitely not my friend. He was. 100% the neighborhood bully I was terrified of him And I hate him And he, he threw this thing In the station wagon Boom Hits the station wagon On the back Guy just Arr! And it's Texas Everybody has a gun bro This guy Grabs his pistol And starts chasing after All the kids in the freaking area I was like Oh my god I get in I get in the apartment I got like one piece of candy In my bag at this point Right My mom's like What's wrong What happened Thought you were trick or treating Or whatever I was like Uh yeah, I'm just not really into it. She was like, you look terrified. I was like, no, I'm just tired. I just want to run here. <laughs> I just did like one like quarter piece of Reese's or something like that, and I just stopped. It was just a really crappy neighborhood. Yeah. That's where I learned how to play the dozens, though. The dozens? Yeah, playing the dozens, talking shit about each other, uh -huh. which was horrifying to me because mother is the most sacred thing you have. I mean, like it's taught to you as a kid and raises a Muslim. It's like your mother is like, you're, she's... Number one, she was mentioned actually three times. The Prophet Muhammad, actually, peace be upon him, would mention like, you know, it's God, your mother, your mother, your mother, then your father. That's how he highlighted the importance of the mom. Of the mom. He mentioned her three times between God and dad. It's very interesting, you know. So for me, it's just like, yo, that's what it's all about. So I'm walking to school one day. It's like, your mama's so fat, she used a boomerang to put on a belt. Oh! 
your mama's so fat. She needs, she used a bale of hay as a tampon. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh my god, they're about to kill each other, right? I'm thinking like, <laughs> there's gonna be a war here because wars would get started and back this home. Shit. <laughs> you talk about your mother that way, bro. They're bringing brothers, sticks, stones. Weapons are gonna be drawn out. No, people were having a good time. I was like, God damn, I can't believe this is okay. You just called his mother a whore. This is unbelievable. Essentially, he's like, your mom was like a hardware store. Everybody gets a screw. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, oh my one. god, I can't believe they're Most doing like this. Most like Seven Up, never had it, never will. Yeah, your mom was like <laughs> McDonald's, over two billion served. Yeah, all all right. your mom was like a doorknob. Everybody gets a turn. You know, you're, 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 so many oh, of them. Your mama's. Your mama's so fat, she wears an X-Factor t-shirt helicopters laying Man, on it. Exactly. Your, your mama's so stupid, she thought a quarterback was a refund. <laughs> <laughs> your mama's so stupid, she sat on TV to watch the couch. You know, I remember all those, man. Dude, and that's what But anyway, so like yeah. you got into that though, right? Oh, not, I got into it. Not the mothership, but just the ripping on each other? Oh, yeah. We just got into it. We had so much fun with it. I became really, really good at it. And that was pumped me up because I, I didn't make a decision to be a comedian when I was 10. I, you I, made a decision at 10? Yeah, I saw Bill, my brother... God bless him. He took me to to get my mind off of stuff. And in Houston, they have this massive Houston livestock show and rodeo. It's like three weeks of rodeo, carnival, and massive concerts at the Astrodome. At that time, they were still having them at the Astrodome. And it was just so fascinating because um, I never heard of stand-up, you know, mm. never heard of it. I mean, uh, people who don't people really don't know this. There's only three indigenous American art forms. It is, um, it is uh, blues, jazz. Uh, hip hop and stand up comedy, so jazz and hip hop really spread like wildfire, mm. and you don't have stand up was not a thing. Yeah, well, it's tougher to travel anyway. The tougher to travel. Number one, number two is there was no internet, there was no YouTube videos, it wasn't mm. the ability that we don't live in this. We didn't live in this like really compartmentalized, really globalized world. This essentially we're like one planet, man. Everybody looks up the same. Yeah, shit. yeah, yeah, the same it's shit. Really, really interesting. And I saw Bill Cosby live. In front of, he was co-headlining with uh, with the band Alabama, and he goes up first naturally because you don't follow music anyway. He goes up and does I don't know like an hour, feel it felt like ten minutes, but he did like an hour. And you loved it. And he uh, well sixty some odd thousand people in the in the arena, in the massive dome, and he's in the middle of this like all sand field because they were just having the rodeo, people riding bulls, and they have this stage that rotates ever so slightly. It's the stage. A single chair and a lapel mic, and this man was decimating the entire. I mean, the he just murdered the whole place. I was like, "What the hell is this?" Yeah, my brother goes to stand-up comedy. I looked at him, was like, "That's what I'm gonna do for a living." He looks at me, he goes, "He's crazy," you know, like he yeah, yeah, yeah. Thought I was having one of those like ten-year-old, like, "Oh, he's such a little kid," you know. He's so silly. Yeah. I was like, no, man, I'm really going to be a comedian. What are you talking about? Like, it's it's over. It's a wrap, that bro. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. You're totally The art this. form, not the man. Yeah, the man exactly. let you down in the end. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I try not to think about him in that way. It's hard not to, man. I've got to lie. But yeah, man, that's where I became, you know, I knew I was going to be a stand-up, but I didn't know how or how it was going to all come together. Uh, and then uh, my dad dies when I was 14, and I started skipping really hard. I was living like a Ferris Bueller's day off. By the way, I was like a I was like a grown man by the time I was 14. You mean like, like a I've beard already been working? That? No, I didn't have a beard. Couldn't have him in school. I still look like a little boy, but I was like a grown man. Like I, I already worked for two and a half, three years at that point. Had all kinds of. I had a job at a convenience store that my dad's parent, um, excuse me, my dad's friends uh, owned. So they gave me a job there. I would drive my mother's van illegally and take her to work. 
and then I would go to school and I would park way out near the high school stadium and I'd walk because you're you know I didn't have a parking pass yeah, yeah, much yeah. less a much less a, much dr- less a driver's, driver's license, license. <laughs> so I'd walk over there I was selling like fake Versace sunglasses and Rolexes and Movados and tag hewers to uh, you know really wealthy drug dealers in the neighborhood you know taking wild risks like that I was doing, you know, some crazy shit just to, you know, just to make a little extra money. So I felt like a really like a grown man. And I was, I had money. I had pretty decent amount of money for somebody who was 14 yeah, years sure. old. And we would go and my other buddy, he was two years older than me and friends from the neighborhood, like really tight. He would come pick me up and we'd skip school and go to like Houston Astros playoff games and come back to school. Like, where you been? I was like, oh, this is a playoff game. You were out with Astros. They sucked. They lost. And they choked. You know, I was living that kind of life, man. I was, it was... You know, it was crazy, man. It was crazy to take trips to Mexico, like, tell my mom I'm going all night bowling. Like, it's horrible. And you I didn't was have the anxiety of fucking around? Like, like I remember when I, I did had anything some remotely like that, a lot of anxiety. I had a lot of anxiety when we went to Mexico, for sure. Uh, melted away when I was just having such a ab- fabulous time with <laughs> the Latinos. Down there. It was a really great time. Uh, <laughs> really, really great time. Those are memories that I'll never forget because those are like, we had our own hangovers, you know? Like, we were teenagers. We already had them. I would go to casinos and uh, I had a fake ID and I would go to I would go to the casinos in Louisiana 15 and I would put on uh, I'd put on uh, um, uh, scrubs, you know, like the, the nurse's scrub. Yeah. So I bought some. There was a nurse that would come oh, into so the like convenience store. I was like, work. oh, oh can, yeah, exactly. I was like, can you get me one of those? She's like, yeah, yeah, what are you going to do with it? I was like, I think I'm going to go to the casino with my boy. I think it would be really great if I wore one. It looked like I just came off work. Da-da-da. She was like, yeah. <laughs> she got me one. I put that. Oh, it was very comfortable, by the way. So caught the little bus, the little you know at the chinese locations full of chinese people get on there yeah and pay five bucks and they just barely look at the id whatever now we're at the casino ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And they didn't have all that crazy technology. You couldn't Google stuff. So they didn't have all the ability to like scan your stuff. And yeah, yeah. Back it was nothing day. like that. It would just look at it. And it was a really flawless, aside from having holograms, so it was really, really good copy of Mississippi driver's license and they didn't even check it actually I just walked in the first time with uh, with the scrubs on and I was like playing blackjack and learned how to play mahjong from these Chinese people <laughs> it was great man so we were you living must it have up. had some teachers though that were like saying you so got some so this is what happened this is what happened yeah this is a good you're phenomenal host <laughs> so so real, bringing it back in so when I was 14 and I have, you know, have really, really good friends. We're, I mean, we're super tight to this day. There's eight of us that grew up together in a neighborhood. 
One unfortunately died in Afghanistan, and they're all wildly successful. They all have done very well. I mean, from pharmacists. I mean, Buddy Vinny is a is uh, is the um, uh, head of uh, he's the 89th flight commander in NASA's history. He's the guy who takes care of launches and stuff. He's amazing. So I saw my friends like really achieving, and obviously I come from an educated family. Like, it's really weighing on my heart at some level. So my English teacher in ninth grade walks up to me and she says, "Mo, you're slipping." You know, my dad died over uh, Christmas vacation. Mm. So when I came back, I just didn't give a shit. Skip, whatever. I just, my mind wasn't in it. I, I still have that report card. It was like 50s, 20s. Like, I had horrible grade. I had like a 10 in wood shop. Who the hell has a 10 in wood shop, right? <laughs> in metalworks class. And my teacher's like, how would your father feel if you don't graduate? And I started crying. I was like, he would be devastated. I would be devastated. Yeah. It would be horrible. She goes, you say you want to be a comedian, right? I was like, yeah, I want to be a comedian. She goes, okay, i tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. You go up in front of the class right now, because we were studying Macbeth at that time. She goes, you can recite any Shakespearean monologue you want. You go up in front of the class, you recite it now. I'll give you the same grade you had the first semester, which was like a high B, I think it was, something like that. I was like, yeah, what do I have to do, though? She goes, well, I'll give you that grade, and I'll let you do stand-up every Friday. Okay? I was like, all right, I'm listening. She goes, but the, the thing is, you can't ever skip. If you skip, you miss school, you ditch, you don't have an excuse, I will t- flip that grade back exactly where it was, lose everything, deals off, no stand-up, nothing. I was like, is that it? She's like, yeah. Like, shit. Went up front, I was like, can I do it now? She's like, yeah. I freaking wiped these little tears off. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> I was like, grabbed the book because I went to the classic, to me, not to me. Yeah, you the did accent, fucking murdered. People were loving it. I was like, yo, this is intoxicating. She was like, tomorrow's Friday. Be ready. I was like, oh, shit. All right. I was scared. I didn't have any, like, written material. So I went home and listened to, like, Jerky Boys for inspiration. <laughs> from Queens. <laughs> yeah, from Queens. Oh, they, yeah. I didn't know they were from Queens. Definitely, definitely New Yorkers. So I, I was just listening to them. I was like, oh, that's cool. So I came up with, like, this whole, like, pizza delivery guy being Indian. Like, I just came up with this whole <laughs> thing. And it was just great, man. And I was stuck. And then I did stand up every year in high school. Like, she took me to all my classes she introduced me said he does stand up for me i mean one time my spanish teacher got me out of three other classes to do stand up and mix spanish in i got out of three classes i did three shows that's that day. amazing yeah and i would do this whole thing where i would wear like a super tight jacket and i would do an impression of chris farley you know fat man in yeah. a small coat while improving shitting on you know the kids in the audience oh, look your oh, ankles man. are so ashy and all this stuff is good got so many flick me off in the middle of class it was great it so was what great. I- that teacher is like, when's your next spot? I gotta 10, find 40, her, right? Yeah, yeah, something yeah, like okay. that. We got, we yeah. got a bit of time. But the, the, yeah, this is my first in between gigs podcast. Yeah, I know this way. is cool. This is cool. You so got that, a, you got a spot soon too, huh? No, midnight. Midnight. Okay. I came in early for you, man. Oh, dude, thank well, you. Well, your man. story's too interesting not to get it on record. I mean, and you I'm couldn't sure get anybody else, could you, Des? No, I fucking. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I, I'm teasing. I, I, no, because <laughs> well, you know, when you said you're like a Palestinian born in Kuwait, I was yeah. like, come on, this is every yeah. fucking NPR Smuggled station in the world. School is dying. bus. NPR is dying to interview you, man. We got the whole package. Yeah, we, we talked to Terry Gross and see if she. Yeah, can, you know. Islamophobia, the whole package. Yeah, man. yeah, man. But anyway, just before yeah. we get off it, sure. Do you? Do you have any contact with that teacher now or no? I don't, man. I really want to find her, though. Because I I had two English teachers in ninth grade. They were both like, each one would specialize in different. It was a weird class. But it was, I mean, it was fun, really fun class. And I think it was Mrs. Broderick. 
Man, I hope to find her. I should really try to find, find her. Because I had a similar enough experience, fun enough, when I was 14, I was getting kicked out of school. But I had a great teacher who gave me a little bit of a break. Amazing. But, but I, uh, well, I wrote a book about my dad, coincidentally enough. Oh, cool. What is it called? My dad was Neely James Bond. L- oh, long story. dope, man. It's a long, long story. But anyway, it doesn't matter. But when I wrote the book, I dedicated it to my family because it was after my dad died. So I dedicated it to my, so. the rest of the family and to Mr. Passioni for... Because basically he made me write. That was the deal. He said, look, I'll give you better grades if you write. Write whatever the fuck you want, but just write anything. That's really awesome. So, so it's funny. Man, that, teachers funny how shit, teachers dude. are like that. Man, teachers, I mean, good but ones, man. I, I remember all the good ones, okay? Mr. Steak in fifth grade, okay? I remember him clear as day. Lou Jean Kreisner, my theater arts teacher, who happened to be in sixth and seventh grade, and then she became a high school theater arts teacher, which, by the way, I was, I was too scared to join until Ms. Broderick dragged me over there. She says, this kid keeps doing all these different accents, coming in with original material. Can you please do something with this kid? He needs your help. Yeah. I was like, whoa. Next thing you know, I'm like pulling leads and singing. I didn't know I could sing. I'm doing like... Yeah, funny thing ever the way for him. I'm playing pseudolus. It's amazing. But the funny thing is, that's that. what you should be doing. But that, that's as a, a teacher, that's yeah, a problem that's what, with the education system. Exactly. Is that for somebody like you, you should be doing that. Stuff. Well, look, I mean, I think the teachers would be way more involved if they weren't worried about their fucking bills. You know, like how they're gonna pay for their next whatever. I mean, they get paid so poorly yeah, for so the for the intense respect. job that they have to yeah. do, and they don't have the tools to like engage the students. I mean, some of them get really creative and they're very passionate, and they you see these you know know viral videos oh this teacher did this and yeah. that. But not every teacher's like that man in the system and how they are and what they learn i mean even the textbooks and how far i mean how can you not be studying malcolm x in class how are you not studying malcolm x like real black history how are you not studying that how are you not studying the era malcolm x muhammad ali uh martin luther king to the details which you be studying how yeah. how is that not part of the system it's, yeah, to it's, spend so much time on the Revolutionary War, which is important to know how the nation was created, but it's important. less relevant to your life than exactly how modern America exists. Exactly, I think there's a, there's a huge gap in that, and it's very it's very frustrating on what they learn and how they learn it, and and it's really just like copy paste kind of learning. It's mm. like, so let me ask you this: yeah. something something. Go ahead, let's switch it up. Yeah, this is a this is a conversation I've been dying to have for a long right. time All with right. a Palestinian. Oh God. <laughs> I, I still in, need to work in this business, okay? You can't yeah, be. Yeah, no, listen, don't worry about it, man. It's all good. No, we're good. I, I live in Ireland. Uh, so I, in Europe, oh, there's yeah. definitely more sympathy with the Palestinian cause than there is here in the United States. Mm-hmm. That must be frustrating for you, right? Just, just like, like I just give you, I'll give you a quick example, then you can jump on it. My liberal American friends tend to be quite critical of Palestinians and the way that they their, their perception of their behavior. My liberal Irish friends 100% have a sympathy towards the Palestinian cause. Mm-hmm. So that must be interesting for you to see that divide. I, mean, I don't even know where to start. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I know. It's, it's a biggie. It's inf- it's, it, it has eaten a piece of my soul on a daily basis. Right, yeah. I mean, like don't I, get yourself in trouble. I get no, it. No, it is. No, it is. It has eaten a part of my soul pretty much regularly. It's no nothing about getting in trouble or nothing like that. It's just I love everyone. The fact that I even have to preface yes. that shit with that conversation is fucking utterly infuriating. You know? We've been there for years. We've been there. There's obviously people had to move. People didn't leave their houses easily. How are you going to do that? 
once you're given a particular land and there's people that exist there and you walk in and you take them there's people that still have their house keys that living in tents they still have their house keys with somebody else living in their home they have to acknowledge that at least acknowledge that there is a massive exodus there was a huge situation and it's really really unfortunate that none of that is acknowledged at all that's not justifying any extremist behavior yeah it's a separate thing anyway but there's extremists on both sides i sit down with jewish peoples all the time i say i have lots of friends i mean look i work here yeah we're in a comedy in new york run by an israeli i mean like you know it's all love. It's all love. I do what I do. I'm here. My job is to get laughs, and that's what I do. I'm yeah. supposed to do that. And that's fine, but it's really frustrating when you can't even acknowledge those things. I can acknowledge our side. It's about acknowledging your side as well. And the fact that it's just sick. It's a sick, it's a sick situation, man. Anytime bombs are being dropped on peoples, and there's people standing on a cliff eating popcorn watching bombs being dropped, it's a fucked up situation. Yeah. I and mean, if it was my people doing that, I would be the first person to say that about my people. You blowing yourself up on a fucking bus doing that is not the right way either. Those things are not correct. There's no buts, ifs, or anything like that. It's just a sad uh, situation, and it's unfolded really, really horribly, and the wall is not good. There's never been a wall in history that's ever been sustainable, aside from the Great Wall of China. Yeah. And it's very, very sad. And I was done. You have no, it's, it's tough, man. It's a tough fucking life. And I don't know what the answers are. All I would like to see is all of us chill together and hang out together and give us at least credit for the hummus and the falafels and everything else. <laughs> yeah. That's all I'm saying. At least own that it's our shit. That's our shit. Yeah, but do you, you think know? in America, do you think in America that people are not, I got to give him credit, man. Who the hell? I would ask. I was asking my Arab homie yesterday. I was like, man, did you ever think about putting hummus and Tupperware and selling that shit at, at like 900% profit? <laughs> he was like, never. I'm like, they're fucking geniuses. <laughs> God damn, they're geniuses. You know, it's so infuriating as an Arab walking into a place and seeing some hummus sitting there. This is obviously Middle Eastern and Arab, and it's ancient to us. It's like, what the the fuck have we been doing we are horrible at prom- muslims arabs all over the planet asians i don't care what muslim background you come from you we are we have the worst publicists in history like we have we have zero public well, at we the have moment, the worst <laughs> at the moment it's really bad the worst <laughs> we are the worst our publicists should be fired <laughs> yeah i mean so yeah when where, I still- where i stand just to be clear though about the palestinian israeli jewish thing it's like it's so i, I hate it when they make it into a religious thing it's not a religious thing it's not jews and muslims hate each other it's bullshit man and when 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 the jews were getting persecuted and things were happening there they would come and they would seek refuge with muslim peoples because they could relate to them the most and they had the closest etiquette to them we're both on the lunar calendar we both have similar practices we both have there they would do that in uh in europe as well when being being persecuted and things like that when muslims were being were in spain a lot of jews and a lot of people would come and have their uh dealings settled in muslim courts and actually have them there people need to know this fucking history it's so infuriating 
commercial break in New York City. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, man. So, it's so, so, so yeah. So it's just very, very frustrating. To the those are facts. When they were there, my grandfather, God rest his soul, in the West Bank, we used to work in Haifa. We had a house in Haifa, and then we live in Budi, and he moved back there. He was a he was a great, great man. He would walk, and he had Jewish friends. He had Christian friends. It was all good. They used to go down the street, hang out during Christmas, visit them with the Christians and, and chill. They would go hang out with uh, during uh, after the Sabbath and following day when they were chilling, relaxing, mm. having some coffee together, play cards together. This is all shit that was happening when there was no walls, was convenience. Used to drive from Amman to go pray in Jerusalem. Tell me how my aunt, who lives in the West Bank, can't go pray. In Jerusalem, yeah. she's not allowed to cross over to that line. It's so, it's so, it's so bad. I mean, it's I, so I, I would imagine that the majority of people, even myself, I've never. I mean, I'm pre- I'm I'm up on it. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. I've never pondered what a pre-1930 Palestine was like. Yeah, it was phenomenal, man. It was you great. Know, like I never it was pondered. vast land. I was looking at pictures yesterday. I mean. I took my mom back there the, for the, her first visit in 38 years, most recently, last August. And I took her back to her parents' house, my grandparents' house, you know, who've been dead for many years now. And it was her first visit back. Last time she was there, they were all alive. Her great, my great-grandmother was still alive. Like, she was in her 90s, she was there. They were, like, you know, happy. Even at that time, it was it was better. Yeah. And to have a wall that separates literally families, you can't go to the other side. Like there's neighborhoods that are cut in half by the wall where if you're if you're like brother on that house next door, it's over. You can't see him. You have to FaceTime him. You literally cannot see him. Can you imagine? And and what what my 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 uh you know, my feelings about the wall is that when you keep each other separate, you can't ever bond, you can't ever get anything out, you can't you can't um you can't get the shit out of the way, you know? Yeah. You can't like you got to take the wall down. You got the wall has to be going. We all have to be one one you know, chilling together, talking to each other, get angry with each other. There's going to be the people there's gonna, people are going to kill each other. It's going to happen. But eventually it's going to stop. Eventually you're going to grow. Eventually you're going to be better. Eventually, eventually, eventually you're going to those relationships is, are going to be better. There is possibility for hope of the end of tit for tat violence. People blaming each other, all these it's things. It's going to happen. You have to get it out like the civil rights movement, people upset, it's hoses, yeah. all the shit but there's, there's some there's a better there's things that did get better, you know. Yeah, able I mean, it to happened vote. In, it it's happened able in the North of Ireland, but of course, yeah. I just, I feel like it's more entrenched now with the Israel Palestine. Yeah, I don't know, man. All I know is I walk this earth loving everyone until 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 they give me a reason for so some reason. So can you be otherwise. funny about it on stage? Yeah, I mean, I do. I do a whole bit about it. I do. You know, it took me it took me a while to find something that is, um, that's really you know can correct it most importantly hilarious you know yeah it's but it's not funny here. it sucks it's important so I, have, America. I have a phenomenal german joke that i do that um me traveling you know with a with a refugee travel document and i bring it all together in that joke oh, nice. and i and i just that's the joke i did it actually for the first time when i did it with all the seasonings all the right seasonings right it was half-baked at that point and it was like working well but it, it still it had potential one of those situations yeah. and one time i was doing like this interfaith show at a a big theater in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and it was all these like Arabs and Jews were there. It was great, and I decided to do this joke, and I finally found like the rest of the seasoning, right? So I do the joke in the middle of my set, and it just just killed so hard. There I saw Arabs and Muslims stand up, give me a standing o in the middle of my set. 
I was like, you know, as a comic, I was like, that's a bad idea. How am I going to follow this? How are you going to follow this? How are you going to follow this? And it was, everything else was mediocre after that. I mean, it was just like yeah. one of those, like, oh, that's the closer now. Move that over. So it was one of those situations. Like, oh, but it I works here. Something. Like, oh, it kills. Yeah, it kills. Kills. Yeah. Even Ryan Reese was like, man, you're doing something that probably most people didn't even, that forgot about it, you know? About the, 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 It's like educational and yeah. things like that. I didn't even think about it that way. I was just like, you know. I was experiencing some uh, some difficulties in Germany traveling with a travel document, and that's what I was spitting out. Yeah, and but I thought now it made it's a like, point. come on, that's like couldn't be any more topical. Yeah, I mean now. Well, now could have been still topical for like fifty years plus, sixty years. But it's yeah, it's it's definitely it's needed. I believe it's time. If I'm the guy to be able to do it, I feel like I am. I feel like I have the ability to like speak to both. I yeah, because Islamophobia is definitely out of control. I mean, I'm sure you're sick to death talking about. But it's Islamophobia. not even. But it's not. I am sick to death about it. But it's not even Islamophobia. Like it's. This is a whole different thing to me. You know, Palestine, Palestinians, and Israelis. Like, like if you've heard this term, Israeli Arabs. What do you think those are? What are Israeli oh, Arabs? Oh, Palestinians. Yeah. Yeah. There was. There was a Palestinians that were able to stay. After after the forty eight territories, those are yeah. the people that were able to stay in that time. They call them Israeli Arabs, like they celebrate them. Oh, he's actually Israeli Arab. You, da da da. It's like, nah, man, this guy's Palestinian, bro. Why are you trying to jack that situation? Just let the let the Palestinians have something, like you know, yeah, let them have, let them have their identity. Yeah, I mean, some of that, but it's like it's whatever, man. It's like they're living well, and you have the rights to be able to live your life. I mean, you can call me pretty much anything as long as I'm living that life. Yeah. You know? As long as I'm able to have the same freedoms and have equal rights, then I'm able to do it. So you've been spending there no- a lot of time with us. Oh, sorry, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was, good. I was, I was. That's why I asked you. Can you be funny about it? Because I was just curious. So no, I mean, there's a lot of it's just so such a personal thing, such a uh, important thing to talk about. I don't want to just like joke about it and like uh, we move on. I love the point is, is I love everyone. It's important. There's horrible things that are happening. It needs to be fixed. I don't know how it's gonna be fixed. It's gonna. I. I hope it's not. Doesn't get much uglier than it already has. I mean, Syria's getting bombed into. It's disgusting. What's yeah, happening. it's yeah, it's a tough. It's thing. just sad, man. I think people are just oblivious. Like, oh, I'm just gonna eat McDonald's and watch movies and Netflix, and it'll all go away. No, it's all piling up, man. Eventually, yeah. something's got to give. Something's gonna give, but I don't know what the hell it's gonna. It's terrifying. Be. I know. It's scary. It's terrifying. It's scary. It's all England's fault, you know. It's yeah, all Britain's fault. This is fault, a comedy right? podcast. It's all fucking oh, English's fault, dude. Man, I, I, I listen. We'd be funny all the time. Yeah, I know. Listen, funny is so. The problem with comedy is it's so restrictive. Yeah, it is. You know, in the end, it's like I can't actually get to what I want to talk about because I gotta get a fucking punchline in here. Like punchline. Yeah, when fit. you're when you're doing an hour though, you could squeeze that. Yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the la- okay, so the last thing I want to talk about is I know you gotta sure. do a spot in yeah. fifteen minutes, right? Right. So. I don't know if you noticed, but I went to China to learn Chinese to do stand-up comedy. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, I did it before. I learned Irish first. And you I speak 100% Mandarin? Yeah, I do comedy in Mandarin. You do comedy in Mandarin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You haven't seen it. I do it sometimes in the cellar. Just a quick bit about it. But I have a whole one out. I have a whole... I, I made a television series about it. About Yo, that going is, to China to learn Chinese to do stand-up. That is the most amazing thing I've ever heard. Okay, well... In stand-up. That's well, fucking incredible. You. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> because... I have been trying to do the Arabic version of the same thing. You okay. Know, but it takes time, obviously. I, I took it to Vice, uh, but, you know, no bite yet. But uh, 
I, I, you know, a number of people bring up people like I, I notice you've worked with uh, Basim Youssef and all that stuff. People yeah, I know. I was on his TV show before they yanked him off. I was yeah. actually the two comics that were on the show is me and John Stewart, American comics. Yeah, John Stewart seems to be in he love was, with him. Yeah, they're very, very <laughs> tight. They're very, <laughs> they're very tight. tight. Yeah. But anyway, when I started researching you, I saw that you were connected with that, and then you did the what was it called? He was at my special taping actually last year in May. Yeah, but what yeah. was your what was your the 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 trio thing that you guys somebody else? Allah made me funny. Oh yeah, Allah made me funny. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so then I thought, oh, you you're kind of what people have mentioned groups like mm -hmm. a group of Muslim comics. Sure, Arab, yeah. Arab so I knew that you were one of them. Yeah, we did that for like eleven years. Yeah. So, did you do? Have you done comedy in Arabic? Yeah, I actually did my first official. Arab tour in Tunisia this past June. Matter of fact, Bassem came and opened. It's very, very nice of him to come do that. And uh, yeah, I did four shows. Three of them were in Arabic. One was for, even though it was promoted for English audiences, and the other three were in Arabic. They progressively became better, of course. I mean, yeah. because it's not like I can go out to New York City and be like, let me work out this. 15 minute Arabic sure, set yeah, listen, you can't really it. do that so you just hop on stage and just fuck around do it yeah you just do and did it. you find when you were doing it in Arabic that actually the best stuff was the more impromptu stuff because a little bit of everything it was yeah. a little bit of everything when I started translating it properly and getting the word structures correct it was a different situation so here's my thinking on it because my, my, my vision with the Chinese project was China's super important place in the world now completely misunderstood Chinese people completely misunderstood how do you do a series about China that's not the usual fucking China's this horrible right, place right, with right, pollution right, right, right. and money and property blah 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 sure. so it was like let's figure out their sense of humor learn their language get to know them and make right. a series about the Chinese people so it's the same thing with the Arab world's a little different because it's not one entity there's like right. all these other countries but anyway uh, my mission is to to do the same thing but particularly now it's more important because nobody people hear Arabic and they automatically think terrorist a lot nowadays so it kind of like has an importance, but I'm yeah. curious to know what you think about that idea. Only because you're kind of you've been doing that and you're in that world, right? No, I'm just sick of white people trying to go over to other countries <laughs> and <laughs> and can't freaking go to Ireland, asshole, and do that. Stop taking our jobs. Yeah, no, well, I th no, I think I think it's a phenomenal idea, actually. I think it's really really cool. I totally totally encourage you to continue on it. And anytime I have a show in the Middle East, you should come and do some yeah, stuff, well, I mean, man. I'm going to need help. I mean, the difference, the thing about China was I got there and I discovered a little bit of a stand-up scene, but it was quite new. The yeah. Arab world, sort of like It's a big North time. There's Afri a booming Yeah, there scene. seems to be, it seems to be bigger. I was, I was doing shows in Cairo in 2007. Yeah, because I thought I would base myself in Cairo at the start to just learn the language. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, you know. You can still do it, though. It's e cool. Every year, you just never know. It's probably pretty cheap. No, it's cool. Cairo would be good, though. Yeah, and Cairo they have a, a big spot. entertainment industry. Big entertainment industry. But it's good, though. It's a good place to go speak Arab. I mean, go learn Arabic and stuff. Yeah. It's a good spot. So, I mean, that's that's it. I mean, I would ask you a few more questions, but I'm aware that you got to go and rock the village. What do you which Which room are you playing now? Uh, I'm going to McDougal. Oh, you're doing the regular comedy cellar? Yeah. Israeli, Israeli owned? I'm happy <laughs> to do it, all right? <laughs> Stop trying to fuck me over, oh, Des. I'm kidding, man. I'm I know, kidding. I know, I know. No, she, like, they clearly like you, and it, like they clearly love you, and you kill it every night, so it's it's fine. 
So, uh, yeah, man, thanks thanks for chatting to me. I mean, I'll have you on again. Maybe we could chat more about political stuff and, uh, you know, maybe chat like the post-9-11 world. There's like loads of things man, we can chat so about. Man, there's so much, bro. We yeah, can spend but, hours. But, uh, you know, listen, I, I fucking pulled you from one gig, got you in no, my I car. No, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. So I'll hit you up You sound so soon. creepy when you said that. <laughs> I already, you know, dragged you between shows <laughs> and put you in my car and forced you in here. Yeah, and yeah, my yeah. pants but are no, down. I'll, it's I'll so weird. You again. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, after yeah. this goes out, I think some people will have a lot of questions. Yeah, I'm down. Uh, I'm so, down, man. So I'm we'll down. have you on again sometime. Let's do it. I'm ready. So thanks so much, man. Hey, thank you for having me. Thank you, Mo. Thank you so much. Super interesting. I can't wait to chat to Mo again. Uh, thanks, obviously, as always, to you, the listener. Just a few things uh, since we're at the end of the podcast. I will be back in Ireland next Monday, as I said. And I will be doing the last stretch of the Grey Matters tour, uh, touring quite a few places. First gig is in McCroom. And uh, check out my website, desbishop.net, for dates on that. And I will also be writing for uh, the new series I have coming out in December called This Is Ireland. Four more eps following that format of that election special show that some of you may have seen. uh, Very much in the John Oliver slash Daily Show vein. So keep an eye out for that. And... um, you know, I have to say, I have very much enjoyed my time in New York, uh, particularly lately gigging in the Comedy Cellar as much as I have been. It's been super interesting. I've gotten to watch Chris Rock uh, work out his new show uh, three different occasions, including last night. Uh, I've been in his presence. I mean, he kind of talks at me, at, at, at a few of us. Uh, I, I can't say if you turned to Chris Rock and said, do you know this guy? He would ever remember me. But on numerous occasions over the last two weeks, he has been talking at me. I, I literally think that he is constantly trying out material and working out ideas. Uh, but it has been a great honor uh, and very entertaining to be in his presence. One of the most persistently, consistently eternally funny men that I have ever met as in uh, in that on stage and off stage he is just non-stop funny uh, never off and uh, he can I'd be happy for him to talk at me anytime great fun I have to say uh, also been performing with Louis C.K. I mean I know him better because he's been to Ireland a few times anyway all I can say is I'm, I'm very excited to go back to Ireland but I am also a little bit sad to be leaving all that. It's been very inspiring, creatively inspiring. Uh, you know, motivates you to think that there are other places you can go in your career. And uh, so that's that. That's fresh on my mind uh, after another night of uh, being in the presence of all that. Um, I mean, I won't bore you, but the other thing that's been exciting is I have started to find a sort of a, uh, a different voice while on stage here in New York. And that I was surprised it took so long to find my American self on stage. Uh, this is not that I'm I'm silencing my Irish self, but I've just only recently started to find the sort of Queens me coming out on stage. When I say the Queens me, I don't mean I, I put on the accent or anything. I just mean that the the parts of me that were raised in Queens, the parts of me that are part of a Queens family, the parts of me that are just a genuine New Yorker are finding a voice on stage, which is, it's good fun, I have to say. Anyway, I'm probably just waffling, but I assume most people turn off by now anyway. Chat's done, and now I'm just sitting in a bedroom in my mother's apartment, uh, yapping away. Anyway, I won't, I won't keep you anymore. 
there will be one more podcast from New York, so I'm probably a bit premature with all this pondering about heading back to Ireland. You see, I, I won't be back in New York till May. I will be in Ireland until the beginning of April before I go to Australia. So this is a, this is a, a reasonable amount of time that I won't be in New York. So uh, that's why it's on my mind. Uh, anyway, listen, thank you so much for all the support. Please keep giving us those lovely ratings on iTunes. Spread the word about the podcast. We will have some great Irish guests coming up uh, for the the Irish that love a bit of Ireland in the podcast. Uh, and until then, listen, uh, I'll think about you every minute of the day. Uh, and I will look forward to chatting to you again in seven days' time. So until then, have a good day. Bye-bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.